Flavor and money are the ways we're going to get the local food movement to really take hold. Is we have to grow vegetables that taste good, and we have to be able to charge enough for them for people to make a living off of them and not yeah. just subsist. And so those are big hurdles for this industry. Farming is not gardening. <laughs> yeah. It's not. Is it? it is not the same thing. Um, but I, uh, I do like growing vegetables, and you know, I, I definitely as a a classically trained chef, I really like the idea of being able to plant acres that are just menus. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, a seven course dinner and an acre and you could run it three nights. Major mission in life is to convince people to pay attention to their food. You should question your farmer and you should question your chefs and you should question everybody about what it is they're selling you and what it is they're serving. Know your food. That's what it would say. Know your food. Know, know your, your food. food. I like it. Welcome back to Edible Economy. I'm Nate. And I'm Kim. And we are excited to have Taylor Drew with us today. Hello, Taylor. Hello. So we know that there's lots of things you can listen to. We appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us today. One of the biggest things you could do to help us is to like us, subscribe to us, and to give us uh, six out of five star ratings. Those, uh, those really help. They help every more day. than you know. You every, day. every day. Yeah, you can do it every day. Vote okay. once a day, early and often. So, uh, again, we're here with Taylor Drew. Taylor is, uh, well, Taylor, do you want to take it away and tell, tell us a little bit about who you are? My name's Taylor. I'm a farmer, chef, entrepreneur uh, in the Denver area. I have a restaurant called Low High Steak Bar and a coffee shop called Low High Local. And I recently started farming up at Bromley Local Foods Campus as a, a veteran farmer who just completed the Veterans to Farmers program. I'm a father of three, and I have a beautiful wife, and that is my life. And a military vet. And yeah, a military vet. That. Oh, he said that. From what? what uh, <laughs> well, my I was in the Navy. The Navy. I, uh, back in 2000, 2004, I was in. And you have... Essentially more than one farm. You also have a farm down at Chatfield or? We are also, excuse me, um, we're also farming some heritage grains at Chatfield Botanic Gardens. We have uh, about an acre planted with 25 different varietals that we're testing on in partnership with the Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance who's doing heritage grain trials all all up and down the Rocky Mountain region. So it's been a been a real good learning experience being involved with that. So. It, that's nice. really cool. And, and that's, that's how that's yeah, how we were introduced to Taylor. Yeah. yeah. Through Josie Hart, who we've mentioned before, and she yeah. um, kind of is in charge of Chatfield Farms for Denver Botanic Gardens. And I was looking for well, I have an interest in ancient grains as well, but not the knowledge like Taylor does. And um, we met out here at the farm and you're like, well, no, I just want, I want to grow vegetables here. <laughs> I, I want it all is what I think <laughs> <you> said. <laughs> well, okay. That well, works yeah, too. Actually, we've been trying to get someone to farm up here all year and haven't found anyone. So let's do that. And um, I want to interject something yeah, too. We ahead. were, we were, we didn't know exactly what we were doing out, out there. It, it was getting late in the season. I mean, we didn't start this until what, mid spring, late yeah. spring. Yeah. Late when April. We, I mean, was yeah. when I finally was able to get in here and. And I was, Kim and I had talked a little bit about, about you and about, you know, the vets and, and everything. And, uh, and I know you and Kim had spoken and you and I, Taylor and I hadn't spoken yet. And so 
I was standing out looking over the field and pulling all the plastic mulch thinking, well, you know, I, I really want I really want somebody to come. But if they don't, you know, we're going to plant uh, just squash and pumpkins and gourds to sell at the fall festival. And uh, because there's I, so many weeds like we didn't know how we were going to have enough time to manage. Yeah. It looked like a field like weeds. I mean, it looked it was, like a field was, of grass, but it was just weeds. And last year there was actually crops there. So but anyway, I was looking out there. I, I did about an hour of work. Uh, it was just overwhelmed. And I, I just went and I called or I, I wa- walked into Kim's office and I was like, Hey, can you give me uh, Taylor's number? I think we just need to say yes and get this going now. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We moved. We moved quickly, but it was. Uh, yeah. It was a little late in the season, so it was yeah. good to get going, and we uh, we've had a good good start. So. Yeah, and I, I I'll say that Taylor, you are one of the, if not the hardest working individual I've I've ever worked with, and it has been. Yes. Man, it's it's so awesome, and I talked to. You know the vets, uh, the 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 guy in charge of veterans, the farmers, and he's like, man, he he kicks butt down there, doesn't he? That guy works so hard. So uh, that has been it's been huge, and it's evident. You know, just you, thankful for the opportunity. You got to make sure you don't waste any time on it. So. Yeah, and you've you've faced some you know some trials and tribulations out here early on, haven't you? There has been a few trials. <laughs> the, the, the hail has been the, the hardest, but probably my lack of knowledge has been the the big kicker i mean i've had to try everything three times and we figured it out and we got plenty yeah. of stuff growing and got it's gonna be great for and, next year right and we're gonna be in yeah. a real great spot for next season and starting early and having the, the infrastructure we need and everything in place is gonna be it's gonna make a world of difference in our lives so. yeah something that i thought that was really cool about that is instead of you know, a couple of things instead of just throwing your arms up and being like, "Well, we can try again next year." Like, <laughs> that, I don't even think that crossed your mind. No, uh, uh, but <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here hoping it never crossed his mind. <laughs> but so uh, you just have to. Sometimes you just like come and you just drive away, right? And you're like, "I I, mean, the, I need a moment to hail, process I I this." I, I showed up and I walked the field and I just left. I couldn't. I couldn't do it that day. I went and spent the day with my kids, and then I yeah. came back the next morning, and we just ripped it all apart and started again. So We were still living at our house in Arvada. We hadn't moved out yeah. here yet. So I got the call from you, and I knew I had been watching the radar the night before. <laughs> and, and it did this like weird thing where it made it look like it had just stopped right when it got to our farm and went around us. And uh, so I, I saw the call coming in, and I was like, I really don't want to answer this right now. I don't want to know what happened know. out there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, but the, one of the neat things that you came through with is instead of looking at this as throwing your arms up or, you know, complaining about it, you, you sit here now and you just say, well, what it did is it gave me three opportunities three goes really to figure out exactly what to do. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a year ahead of where I, where Absolutely. I thought it was going to be. I got two seasons of farm life <laughs> set up in, under my belt in one. So it's, uh, yeah, no, I mean, there's always, there's always going to be a silver lining. This is not going to be easy. So, um, you gotta, gotta look for the good and grab for it and go. And it helps to have, you know, people like you guys out on the farm that are also dealing with the same problems and, doing the same thing of okay let's how do we fix this and how do we move forward so and learning it's always yeah. good to have 
people to to breed or play off of and yeah. you know, work with that you know have the the same ideas and the same type of work ethic. So, and in that regard, this relationship started out as almost like a you know tenant landlord, and it's 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 really changed into. You know, we're all moving towards a certain goal. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. And, you we're know, working from, together to do it. From veterans to farmers being involved in the partnership, as well as you know, Forever West and you guys, it's just it feels it feels real good right now. We just got a next next season is really the goal for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not throwing my hands up, but just preparing. You know, I mean, I yeah, definitely. Uh, every every move you make, you got to be planning for the next year and. Thinking through, thinking it through that way, so for the longevity of it all. But yeah, right. We we definitely want to have Rich on to talk about veterans farmers. Rich is the yeah. executive director of exe- of veterans to farmers. But tell us a little bit about what is that program? What is veterans to farmers? Well, veterans to farmers trains veterans to farm, and they they focus a lot on sustainable and you know organic methods. You know, they show us a lot of farms that are in the community already that are operating at a high level and producing really great product with, uh, with that, you know, sustainability in mind, Chatfield Botanic Gardens, they do the same thing in their farming. You know, they, they have market gardens where they're, they're mainly organic and they, they, they stick to really, really unique farming or not unique farming practices, but farming practices that are, uh, definitely trending now and important to us all. So, um, it's a, I don't. I don't remember how long it is. I think it's a twelve week program. Okay. Uh, sorry. <laughs> is it pretty intensive or? Uh, it's two days a week for eight hours each day, and you do you spend half, the first half of the day in the class, and then you know learning about everything from how to get a loan to how to manage your books to all the little details you need to know to be an entrepreneur and to be to be a farmer and to be and manage your own your own land. We learned a lot about bees, which was really cool. I actually got my own hive of bees out in Arvada right now. That oh, you do? I didn't know is that. It's thriving. It is nice. awesome. We're going to get... It's our first year with this hive. We, we had a hive last year that didn't make it through the winter, so we ended up getting another one, and they're doing they're doing awesome. So, I did, um, did you know he did that? No. I, yeah. Little yeah. surprises we every week, Taylor. Already, too, with the Brighton Bee Club, so I, I yeah. got to check on theirs up here, too. I, I peek at them. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Ask them how they're doing. Yeah. Uh, so veterans to farmers, you know, it's at Chatfield. You spend a lot of time in the classroom learning, and then you spend a lot of time out there harvesting, you know, pulling drip tape, learning all the the grunt work of farming and how to identify different plants and what's good for you and how to how to plan your crop methods so that you know you're 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 avoiding pests and you're avoiding weeds and you're you're thinking thinking proactively about every every part of it and they, they guide you on that way and then they also like I said they take you around to other farms where they'll show you uh, uh, get to talk to other farmers and hear their insights and you know their hardships too I mean it's definitely not an easy an easy industry so uh, there's there's always some some little complaint here or there but at the same time you know they they also show you a quality of life that uh, is hard to find in other parts of the other industries in the world so yeah, I remember, I, I think it was you, maybe it was Rich, that, that told me about a farmer that you guys did go to that was like, this isn't easy. This is tough. A lot of you aren't going to do it. 
Yeah, you know? I mean they do, and they they're not they're not afraid. They're not trying to they're not trying to talk you into it. They're yeah, <laughs> they're not trying to talk you out of it either. But they they're definitely real about it, and you can ask them most anything, and they're willing to tell you. I mean that's the great part about this local food community, you know, in general, from chefs to farmers to you know food activists and people who are actively involved is that everybody wants to you know share what they know and give their knowledge to each other and help each other along the way and you know lend support when necessary i mean when we had the hail the lady came through with the tomato plants for us and yeah that was awesome yes. helped yeah. us out and so i mean there's right a lot and of, shares the harvest yeah, yeah right and shares the harvest they uh they helped us out with some tomato plants and so we got some tomatoes that are going to be ready in a few weeks or so and uh it's great to have that type of support and this community is all about it i think so here in the denver area so is that where you learned a lot of your plant knowledge was from Veterans to Farmers, the, the program? Because we'll be walking out there and, you you know, you're identifying weeds and you say, well, I need this and this soil and I need, you know, for my beets to do this, I need this. Yeah. Did they really I mean, teach you about I, I learned a crops? lot. I, I knew some of it. I mean, I grew up in a family that was very active outdoors and we're Colorado natives and so we spent spent a lot of time wandering around in Colorado staring at the ground and <laughs> I don't know I, it's bird, a good place bird, to be birds and plants I like them all so oh yeah I remember but, it was one of the first days you were out here you you said something like you're gonna see that I have an unusually I can't remember how you said my, my, it my wife calls me bird weird <laughs> yeah. like, oh, we'll be... weird bird fetish I think is what you said yeah. uh I'm not sure if it's a fetish, but it's definitely, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an interest, an interest, a hobby. Yeah, I uh, I uh, have dreams of learning about falconry one of these days in my spare time, but okay. I, I have to have some spare time first. So I thought that was cool. You talked about maybe having some falcons that you can train to just eat the rabbits. Or, there there are people who are doing it, you know, I mean, that are running falcons to protect high value crops out in like California wine country and those types of things though people who just have teams of birds that they'll run over the, the fields to scare all the birds away during peak harvest times and things like that so I'd love to that read that cool. resume and job description yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I agree I agree and is that seasonal <laughs> you can have an aviary out here yeah, yeah. So, Talk a little bit about, uh, so we've gone, we've gone from, uh, you know, you, you are a military vet and then you did veterans to farmers. What are some of the, the transferable skills from the military that you, you know, that are, that help you, that give you an edge over most in the farming world? Well, I think, you know, and, you know, vets, I think are very suited for entrepreneurship, um, it's just a matter of how we're trained in the military. I mean, we, we set our own, you know, we, we have rules, but we, you know, we follow them because we follow them because we want them to be right. And so, which helps in a business environment when you're the one who's motivating and you're the one who has to be super self-motivated in those types of situations. You know, you talked about not throwing your hands up and just walking away. I mean, in the military, there is no option to do that. And so it's one of those things that you, you learn to just keep, ramming your head forward and going going after things until you figure out a solution to it and it may take you a couple tries but it's all about perseverance and it's about self-character and you know being strong enough to be able to complete the tasks that you signed up for so uh i mean that's awesome yeah those are those are the main things i mean i when i first got out i uh i had a pretty rough 
go for a few years and then I got into cooking and I found it was about the closest thing I could find to being on a flight deck was being in a kitchen just hot and hot and aggressive and fast (laughs) yeah I mean it was everything I, I I loved about being out on the flight deck so I uh and there's some parts about farming that are a lot like being in the military too I mean it's just you know you you wake up at 5 a.m. doesn't matter if you went to sleep at 2 a.m. You just get up, you go, and you do it. I mean, those types of discipline things that you learned back when I was 18 and in boot camp, you know. I mean, it still carries me today, so. That's, That's awesome. Great. yeah. <laughs> Everyone should have all those skills. Right. There needs to be a boot camp for life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a regular old boot camp. Uh, you don't get your high school diploma until yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can wait, instead of a gap year. Right. Full year boot camp. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> um, so how long have you been farming? It's, it's relatively new for you. You know, last season I spent the season working with veterans to farmers and, you know, having some experiential training and then this is my first season as a farmer i've always had gardens and those types of things but farming is not gardening (laughs) it's not it's not the same thing um but i uh i do like growing vegetables and you know i I definitely as a, a classically trained chef i really like the idea of being able to i picked my dinner last night and you know we had some a piece of fish that we got from the local market and went to the garden and picked everything we were going to have with it and chopped it up and made a nice little Asian stir fry and it was amazing I mean it was just I love the I love that part of the process of just walking the field and being like that bean that's the one I'm going to eat tonight or that one's going to be perfect for how I'm going to slice slice these vegetables and as a garnish or however that works you know so and when you refer to garden, you're referring to your garden at home, right? Yeah. I, Which is not tiny. It, you know, you sustain, did you? Five, you, five families. We have a five-family CSA off of my garden at home. Yeah. Um, it's about 2,000 square feet, and we're, we're moving a lot of vegetables off it right now. I mean, we got so much stuff. It's great. It's great. But maybe, maybe that's one of the places we can, we can do the eggs. <laughs> oh, sell eggs. Yeah. Put it through, the, through your CSA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the market at Lohi is always looking for, for good oh, yes. home, you know, stuff like that, eggs that are grown fresh and raised, raised sustainably and locally. And so we're always looking for that. So what, uh, so what, what all product or crops um, do you farm? And, and yeah, what all, what all crops do you farm? And, and why? Why did you become so interested in farming? Why was it? Why is it the decision you've made? Well, so like I said, I'm a classically trained chef, and so I have spent a lot of time in the food industry the past ten years. I've been working in the local Denver food industry, making food in, on in some kitchen or another. You know, for the past four years, we've had our own restaurant. It's kind of just led me down this path of you know wanting to know more about where it's coming from and how it's being made, and you know, getting getting more actively involved with the farmers and being able to collaborate with far- farmers as well and work with them on one of my one of my long-term dreams is to be able to plant acres that are just menus you know that are nice. everything you oh need. that's awesome yeah, yeah. that's you know a seven course dinner in an acre and you could run it three nights and you're done with and you've, you've done the whole field but I'm not that good so <laughs> <laughs> and there is still like a gap for restaurants to buy enough local food and not have to have a a big distribution well yeah I mean, it's, truck it's come crazy up. because most of these most of the really good farm to table restaurants in Denver you know they're 
they're not using fresh milled flour that was raised locally. They're right. not using, you know, they, they, there's so many things that aren't available to us. And a lot of that has to be, has to do with we're in Colorado and our growing season is not California. And so we have, there's some things that we're never going to be able to get to, but there's other parts, you know, I mean, most of the onions for the mirepoix in your stocks are all, you know, commodity onions that are coming from somewhere. And so it's not, and so it's a matter of just that connection and, you know, really getting with the farmers to be able to encourage them to grow what we need to grow and figure out how to get it at the price point that we can sell it to the general public at. I mean, those are, those are all the hurdles that we're going through as chefs and as farmers and how that dance is working. And I think it's, I think it's getting better, but I think it, there are other chefs like me that are bridging that gap of in, into farming to really understand what it is the farmers are up against and how do we, you know, cause I, I could stand there and tell a farmer, here's the answers, you know, and they're going to say, great, <laughs> thanks, guy. <laughs> Why don't yeah. you get back to your kitchen? Uh, <laughs> right. uh, so I think it's better for me to just say, okay, now I'm going to go out there and I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn about it and I'm going to do it and I'm going to have that experience and I'm going to start to grow it myself. I mean, there's chefs out in New York that are, they are, they're, they're growing things. They're putting things specifically in the ground for their menus. Um, it's a matter of, and they're being grown the way they want them, and they're being, you know, what is it? The Dan Barber out at uh, Stonehill Stone Barns um, has uh, chickens that are fed a certain pepper that has extra, you know, red to it, so that the egg yolk comes out this bright red as opposed to an orange. I mean, those types of things, the things you can do and play with in order to make this, these gorgeous cuisines. That is cool. I'm excited. There's, there's, it's limitless as far as I, I'm concerned. And so we can, we can continue to. And you're uh, learning this year. Yeah. And you I mean, know, I'm just learning, learning, I'm learning how, crops to, work, how, how. how to get a radish out of the ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're doing good I, at it. I am not there. Oh, I, I have successfully <laughs> learned radishes. Um, we're, we're learning about other things now as well. But yeah, we, uh. Everything's a, a little bit of a lesson. Nature keeps teaching me things that I didn't know. So, and last week, uh, Taylor sold at a farmers market. Is that your? That was your first farmers market first you've ever sold at. Market, yeah. W- whether it's you know anything else or yeah, produce, yeah, yeah. What'd yeah. you think? Uh, it was uh, it was an interesting experience. I uh, I had a lot of fun. I was glad we sold some stuff. I mean, it felt felt good to finally, you know, take. That, that final step in the process of, you know, bringing, bringing the produce that I've been working on to market and, you know, making some people smile with it because people did. They, they got happy when they, they tasted the, the breakfast radish that they'd never tried before or things like that. And so... Was that your big seller? That was the big seller. Well, mixed greens. Okay. The mixed greens sold out pretty quick. And then the, okay. the, nice. uh, the breakfast radishes were big sellers. I mean, the little round, multicolored ones, everybody's... You can get them in any Whole Foods right now, and so they're not as special. But the, okay. the breakfast radishes, you know, they're long and pretty, and, and they're not as spicy too, and which people they're like. They're definitely right? a little bit more palatable for somebody who's like, I don't like spicy radishes. But they're but. so like full of water, and like they're so juicy yeah. and crunchy. They're yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, they do. They have a nice pop to them. They snap real well, and so um, I think that they are. We, we're going to move on to the next one, but we also we have a whole nother round of radishes, so. Yeah, there's always going to be radishes. <laughs> more radish. We've been talking about that. This year is like the year of the radish. We've been Good. getting requests, whether it's people coming up at the market 
or people sending us emails saying, hey, you know, I need, I need radishes. Where do I get radishes? And we've been doing this for 10 years and never once has somebody specifically asked yeah. for a radish. It's never. I've gotten some beet questions before, but never radishes. And it's just, and then you and I were talking about it and... I guess you're saying it's it's a popular thing in restaurants and things. Yeah, right I mean now they're too. they're great for salads and garnishes. I mean they always have that nice pretty color on the outer ring and then nice white, so they're 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 aesthetically nice to look at. And, and then the ones that you when you cut them in half, they kind of marbled in the middle. And yeah, stuff. yeah, Stripes, there are. I mean, yeah. you know, we have these ones that are taking a lot longer than I thought, but they're uh, called green luovo or something. And they're long and they're green, but they have this weird like almost tie-dye going on in them as opposed to like oh, just that's being cool. a straight taper. So. When you say long, how long will they be? Uh, four or five inches long. Well, that's then, pretty big. You know, inch and a half. Diameter. Almost like a carrot. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. I haven't got to try one yet, but we'll, we'll see once they get bigger. <laughs> so besides radishes, what, uh, what all are you growing out at the farm this year? Uh, we do have some beets that, beets that are rolling along real nicely, mixed greens. Uh, we have a, bra- uh, a brassica braising mix. It's just going to be a baby braising mix that's going to be real delicious when it's ready. Uh, nice. We do have some tomatoes that survived the, the hail, and they're thriving right now. So I, uh, I expect to see something good out of them. And then uh, we have a bunch of peppers that we'll probably have some at the market this Saturday or Sunday. And Sweet. Yeah, we have uh, a lot beans. of brassicas down. Beans, beans are coming. peas, corn, uh, corn. Yeah, we did some. Uh, got some glass gym corn seed oh, yeah, from that's uh, so pretty. the guy who developed it down in New Mexico when I was at the the grain school this past uh, winter down in Colorado Springs. They have a big uh, grain school where they talk about heritage grains and all the all the things that go along with them, but. I got some some corn from him, and so I, I planted a bunch of that. Oh, that's well. what's so, out there. Uh, there's that, and then there's Hopi Green, and they're both uh, okay Flint corn, or you know, good for milling. So we'll dry them and mill them, and uh, see how the flower comes out on them. See what oh, we, that's awesome. See, nice. see what we can do with that. So that is yeah. awesome. <laughs> we do we do a little bit of that at the fall festival. We we let kids grind corn to make cornmeal. Um, I don't know if they get it fine enough for flour, do they? No, it's just fun to show kids like that's what that's you know how flowers made whether it's yeah yeah I mean it's just the experience there, of like you know? really seeing that oh when I get cornmeal it's actually corn it's actually corn yeah, yeah. and the, this you know I mean getting that connection for people is really great because uh, a lot of people just don't realize that 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 corn tortilla they buy at the market you know is actually corn i mean it comes from something you know it's been grown and planted as a seed and processed and you're also growing some are you growing some squash i have a bunch of winter squash out there our cucumbers did not survive the the hail Um, our cucumbers and our potatoes both died on the in 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 the event the Um, fateful day one What's of the that? that fateful day, <laughs> that fateful the day, event. Yeah. <laughs> the event. One thing that I think is really neat is, and and you made some things click in my brain, um, is that you were in early August, or I'm sorry, early July. You started planting some stuff, and I just thought, isn't all of that just going to get completely toasted? How does that? And then you said, no, 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 now, now is the time that people are doing the fall planting. 
Yeah. And I think that's pretty cool because you you know you see winter squash and you see all of these these different titles and I just assumed that you know you do your starts in winter and then you plant in spring and then the stuff that you know is a fall harvest or a summer harvest or whatever is just from start in spring until it's finished and then it just takes those things that long but it sounds like that's not really the case. Talk about that. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm just I we'll we'll see what I planted too late here <laughs> well, <sure. laughs> in a yeah. couple of months when the when the snows come. But I mean, things like <laughs> winter squash, you know, they are they are frost tolerant and they are able to uh, they, they can they can withstand a little bit. We're we're looking at doing some high tunnels for some winter spinach and carrots and those types of things. I mean, fall carrots are so sweet and delicious. I mean, something about the cold weather in the ground kind of sets off the sugars in them in a way that you don't get in the middle of summer and so um beets beets are the same way i mean getting those late beets are that's the only time of year i really like to really just like eat beets i don't i mean i like beets but not they're not my, my go-to food until it gets okay. to the end of fall and then i can start getting some of those sweet ones right out of the ground and okay it, so nice that's that's interesting to know too our son loves beet soup. I think it's his oh, favorite it's his favorite meal. food. Yeah, it's Good. his favorite there's, food. There's, there's nothing bad about a beet. I mean, <laughs> some people can't handle the flavor of them, but they uh, beet and goat cheese. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Actually, when I was a when I was a pantry cook at Mizuna, which is a restaurant downtown, we uh, we had a beet salad that almost ruined me from beets because it was so. It was it was so hard to make, and I uh, it, 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 it I didn't know where you were going. Wear them off. <laughs> <laughs> it was it had it had beats like five ways on one plate, and you just I mean you had to do them all to order, and so it was just I I hated beats for a little while, and then I came back around and started enjoying them again. But we talked with uh, you you know there's kale that. It grows and it gets pretty big, even even in late summer, early fall. We were talking with some, I think it was some Russians that were at, or maybe maybe some people from Poland. I can't I can't remember. They were from somewhere over in you yeah. know Eastern Europe, and they said that you don't harvest kale until after the first frost. Because the frost, like you were just saying, it goes in there and it changes the sugars and it it makes it to where it's not as bitter. bitter. It's actually a lot sweeter. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I don't know if they you would use the term sweet for kale, but no, I mean you can. I mean, yeah, it's all but relative. it's not as bitter. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I thought I mean, that was pretty cool. This though. is again, this is a good time of year to be putting some kale on the ground to be able to have it when you're. You is know, kale as popular as it was three four years ago? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, it doesn't. It, it hasn't gone down. I mean, I, and there's a reason for it. It's super good for you, and it, you know, you can dress it up a million ways. It's it's versatile in your cooking, and so they say uh, kohlrabi is going to be the new kale, is what I heard. But yeah, okay. that grows really well here. Yeah, I uh, actually think I have some going right now, but we'll see that, how it does. That's the giant bulbous plant, right? Yeah, it's just that green, it's and then it's got all those green. little yeah. Looks like an alien it. plant. Yeah, <laughs> we should put a we should put a picture yeah, yeah, of, of it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, that'll be pretty cool. That's <laughs> um, big thing. So what it beyond uh, beyond the hail, 
which we know was a huge challenge. What, what are some of the other challenges you've faced in your early farming career? Well, I mean, like I said, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of individual little learning experiences that, you know, I don't know what my biggest challenge would be. I mean, just weeds. It, it's crazy the amount weeds. of planning that goes in. Well, yeah, weeds. I mean, I, they, goodness gracious, I can't. <laughs> you give I, that field water and then we need more volunteers. Get, yeah, I need, I, need, I need help on those, on those weeds, but we're going to, we're, we're getting there. We're, we're beating them back slowly, but surely. And we've started using a lot of solarization and things like that to help, you know, good techniques to keep the weeds oh that's cool talk about out. that i i had never seen that i mean i i guess i had i mean it makes black, sense black plastic kills weeds yeah <laughs> it's so cool you have this uh, rotation yeah. that you yeah do. i mean we are we're we're trying to you know kind of combine stale bedding which is where you you know you build a bed and then you water it in real good and then let the weeds come up and then you weed them and then you plant into it and people use that a lot with carrots and that type of thing okay so that's really and then along with the, the plastic you know once we get them we'll wet a bed and just cover it and kill down all the bindweed and then go through and till it and then we'll plant into it that way so it's one of those things that we're uh we're trying a bunch of different ways to see what what germinates best and you know especially since we didn't really start planting until june when it was wicked hot and we uh yeah we've definitely had to try try some different things to try and keep the the little guys happy you know we we're using a lot of shade cloth and uh successfully i'm yeah, gonna add too because is, that's not then, the easiest thing planting in you know the heat of summer in brighton colorado yeah it's not it's not guaranteed that you're gonna get anything <laughs> yeah, yeah. i mean we're doing for people all right that, with that for people that live in the front range yeah, it may be 95 degrees in, you know, the western suburbs, but 95 degrees in the western suburbs is not near as hot as 95 degrees, at least on Bromley It's like Farm. a giant laser coming out of the sky, it's, it's yeah. trying it's to awesome. kill you, you every living exposed. thing. I mean, there's, nothing, yes. there's nothing in the way. Of, there's no place to hide from it, so you just got yeah. And we've all, all three of us have adopted the giant wide brim hat yes. and the long sleeve sunscreen shirts. Yeah. You know, I remember. The hood is key. The hood, hood is key. The other shirts, they're nice. But when you got that hood. But the hood is, yeah. And you can <laughs> even put the hood neck. on and put the hat on oh, top yeah. of the hood. That's part of the move right there. Yeah. <laughs> I used to, I used to see the people, you know, doing roofs and just be like, oh my God. God, why, why you, you got that? that is so hot. <laughs> this is winter. Now I get it. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Yep. I think I've probably mentioned that on the on the podcast before. So how are you managing all these things that you? I mean, you own a restaurant. So how is the restaurant running so a, well while you're farming so much? I have a really great business partner, and we have an amazing staff there that just they do their job, and so that's great. I mean, and Joe. My business partner, he helps me out a ton. He comes out here and farms some mornings and, you know, other mornings he's in the office doing all the paperwork and doing the, the hard stuff because I, I get to do the fun stuff. I, think, <laughs> I, cook I agree farm. with you. <laughs> <laughs> he, he makes sure we, we make money. So that's the, the tricky part, but... Um, and he helps you at the bar. He was helping you at the bar. He has been helping me a bunch. He'll be out here again this week, and we'll be doing some. He'll come out and spend a few hours. He 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 would love to be out here more often than he is, I think. But um, 
you know, we do have the restaurant and the coffee shop that has to keep going. And we, we do manage a, we have a small catering company that we do a few events a month on. And so, um, he's been, uh, he's always working on getting us more jobs that way. And, and there's a store. Yeah. Low high local, which is a coffee shop. And then it's a small market as well. We have a lot of just kind of cater to the local neighborhood as far as keeping produce and dairy and a couple of dry goods and, you know, some different quick meals and those types of things available for people to come in and grab in the neighborhood. So yeah. And then the wheat down in Chatfield and then, uh, the family. So we, uh, I, I, you asked me how I balance it, and I don't. Yeah. I mean, I've I asked eat. you this several times. Like, do you see your kids? Like, are they always in like bed said, when you were there? I have a great business partner. I have a great life partner. My wife is so patient with me, and she encourages me the whole way along. And you know, when I'm when I'm having a bad day, she tells me it's going to be okay, and you know, pushes me forward. And so it's one of those things that, without the the support system from you know my wife and kids and the rest of my family, all most of my family lives in Nevada and. They're all on board and, you know, always encouraging me. So it's just take some pep talks here and there and you just keep going. So, and you're born and raised in Arvada. Yeah. 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 Colorado native. And so do you just not sleep? I get a few hours. I mean, no, I sleep. I do. (laughs) That's what they train you in the military. You actually don't need to sleep anymore, Well, I mean, they they train train you to sleep when you can. And so if it's an hour nap in the middle of the day when it's too hot to do anything else, then that's when I get get my my rest. Or if it's... Okay. I mean, I take it when I get it and it's... You just view it as a battery. Just <laughs> plug in and charge when it gets I, a little low. I do have the unique ability that I can sleep anywhere, so it's I can. I'm real oh, good at yes. the 20 minute power nap, and I can just go. Again. You were telling me that, so <laughs> you harvested at four o'clock in the morning on yeah. Sunday morning, yeah, for a farmers market that starts at 9 a.m. Yeah, and you said that you know you conked out in the car for yeah seven seven ten to seven thirty. I was. Joe, Joe ran to the store to get us some stuff, and I closed my eyes in the truck for a minute, and felt, <laughs> it changed my life. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep changes your life. It does. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So you're, are you cooking at the restaurant every every day as uh, well? Or I do you some have shift someone... managing, and then for events, I like to get in there and be involved and help out um like i said i have a really terrific chef that's there and so he Great. he doesn't really need my help but i like to help anyway yeah. so. <laughs> like, oh and you're coming smiles. in today he, he smiles about it so <laughs> i uh i had an event last week and i uh we did the big eat which is a big eat denver event i showed up at 4 a.m and my line and we have a morning cook that's there prepping and she's normally by herself for five hours and has nobody to deal with and then she had to deal with me <laughs> it stressed her out a little bit but we got through it and you're invading her space yeah. yeah she said she complained about my towel usage afterwards <laughs> who does that complaint go to <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's a fine question oh <laughs> uh, well back back to farming back a little bit. to farming what uh what do you say your farming style is you know, there's organic, Ooh. conventional. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, we definitely school. lean towards organic practices. I think that, you know, on this scale, you know, the the certification isn't all that important. I mean, we're we're really doing everything by hand, and we're not spraying chemicals everywhere. And 
I think there's a lot of really cool ideas out there right now from no-till to bionutrients and everything in between. And so trying to just learn about as much of it as we can and try it out here and there on what we're doing. There's been a couple of times I've, you know, I planted two beds and one bed I did it this way and one bed I did it that way. And the, most of the time there was marginal differences, but not anything crazy. And so you kind of just say, okay, well, maybe I can combine the two ideas and see how that comes out the next time and so crazy thing about farming is you know i mean you get a season and a lot of vegetables you're doing once in a season maybe twice in a season and so even if you've done it for 20 years you've only done you've only planted that vegetable 40 times i mean that's not really on the scheme of like experience you know they say what is it ten thousand hours makes you an expert at something i mean it's you're not you're not even it's it's hard to get in that realm just because it's such a a, a long process and so yeah, there, so there's something to be said for people that grow up on a farm and like they're learning how to drive a tractor at five and and all this knowledge that comes with just yeah. seeing your dad do it for yeah, years, yeah, yeah. even though and like there's all that 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 we are trying to just learn right now. Yeah, while, institutional knowledge. While we have, have uh, well, with a lot curve, of acreage but. from the get go, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No, there is there, there's some disadvantages to being a new farmer at, at our age, but at the same time, I mean, we also have some different perspectives that we're bringing right. to this. Totally, I mean, that, you know, we've we've seen we've seen it from the outside, you know, and that's something that a lot of those farmers who have done it from day one, they get a little too institutionalized in their their thought process of how it's supposed to be done, and they are reluctant for change. And I think that our agriculture community needs a little little shake up right now as far as how it's being done and who who's benefiting from it and how that all works so well and and like all of us sitting at this table we have many options and skill sets and job opportunities that we can do um so we're coming at farming with a a passion and yeah there is no there is no you have to do this it's basically we're begging to do this at this point in life because we we want to be a part of it and we want to be uh we want to make a difference in this community and be involved and so it's something that some people might take for granted a little bit if they were if you know the the guys who were born on a thousand acres and right you know that's all they've ever known it doesn't they probably have no idea about farming a one acre organic farm right right (laughs) truth is they'd probably be as lost as i am right now you know so it's one of those things. Her cousin's husband, uh, Kim's cousin's husband, farmed big farms, all kinds of stuff. And I, I guess he's working with a, a Native American tribe that wanted him to grow certain things. And then he's also working with a baby food company. He's leasing land. They own a casino, but they have lots of land. So he's leasing the land mm-hmm. around it. And it is certified organic. So he's leasing that land and growing organic for the first time. Um, we we used to take a lot of grief when we, we talked did. organic we or local. Yeah. Eclectic hippies out in Colorado is <laughs> yeah. really what they said, which was yeah, whatever that means. Um, yeah. So yeah, so um, but now he's growing organic and for uh, baby food companies, lots of green beans, and I think this is his third year, and he's finally like, okay. My family's only eating organic. 
Yeah, he, he is. <laughs> All there, the yeah. animals only eat my organic stuff. They don't eat my conventional stuff. There must be something to that. You know, yeah. the yield isn't as big, but no, I still make as much money because right in the end, it's all about how much he can sell it for. So, um, so yeah, and that's how farming. Well, I mean, in and general. that's you know, flavor and money are the ways we're going to get the local food movement to really take hold is we have to grow vegetables that taste good and we have to be able to charge enough for them for people to make a living off of them and not yeah. just subsist. So those are big hurdles for this industry. And I think that, um, you know, places like this are given that opportunity a shot and we just got to keep training farmers to think about the, the end product. You know, I mean, it's, and it, it's been proven nutrients in the, so it, the higher your nutrient and your organic matter in your soil, the better your food tastes. Yeah. yeah. And it the, changes. Yes. The higher the sugar contents, the higher the, you know, the better, the less dirty carbs and those types of things. So, and you can have two different kinds of good nutrients to put in the soil and just kind of depending on what flavor you're going for. I, I think that is just yeah. fascinating. Yeah. I mean, and there are, there are different, you know, calcium does one thing and boron does another. And so you got, you got to, know about how all that works together and it's i didn't i was not a very good science student but um <laughs> my later years i wish i would have been so yeah, yeah. but you I'm, never I'm, know I'm, what I'm those things are when you're learning so that helps so. oh yeah <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> one thing that you hit on is is the kind of the future of, of how this works you know and his flavor and his money and i would add to that is agritourism. I think that small farms have to do something uh, besides grow food to supplement what they're doing. And well, I think that is we're a good working way to on some increase, things together. Increase the revenue as well as you know, and it it gets it gives the community a way to buy into what you're doing a little bit better too. If they're able to come yeah. out here and they're able to, whether it's volunteer or come out and you know have a nice cocktail dinner like the farm to table dinner that we're doing. Um, Talk know. a little bit about that. Oh, we are doing a chef-farmer collaboration, and we have six chefs and six farms. They will be collaborating, using, utilizing an ingredient from each farm, and the chef and the farmer will be there cooking and preparing the food and able to talk to you. We have uh, Jackrabbit Hill Winery, and we have uh, Brews Brewing, who are doing, the co doing, doing drinks, and we're hoping to get one more distiller on board, but I won't say their name yet until we actually have until we know they're here it. yeah <laughs> yeah so we're doing two farm to tables and, yeah, um so they're coming the up one. in the next couple months so definitely you can go on yeah. uh, edibleeconomy.com and find out how to buy tickets for those and they're scheduled for we we hope we're, we're shooting for August 25th for the first one and then in September September later in September yeah, as well later in September so yeah still working out the details on that but those will be in the show notes. It'll be a link to it so you can get to it. But so, uh, Taylor, you're going to be one of the farmers and one of the chefs. I'm going to be my own chef and my own farmer. So. Um, and then we do, we have uh, some really great chefs. Burton from Bonanno Concepts Group, who owns like Mizuna and Milk Market and Osteria Marco. Nate with uh, Breckenridge Farmhouse, the, the Breckenridge Brewery Farmhouse down in Littleton. And we have... Um, Michelle Garcia from Heirloom Catering. She's going to be doing our appetizers for the event. And then uh, Scott with Butcher's Bistro is going to be there. He's also uh, oh, nice. on the board of Veterans to Farmers. Yeah, yeah. he's him. excited to be involved. Cool. Um, I think we. Yeah, he and his wife came out. 
Yeah. The farm ones. Yeah, yeah, they've been out. Um, we actually had a really good time with those guys. Yeah. <laughs> he cracked us out. They, their dog is like a relative of our dog. They oh, yeah. Identical. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they were like, is that our, is that our dog? That's I'm like, no, weird. that's our dog. <laughs> <laughs> and we were able to tell them a story of somebody who brought out a dog to the farm festival last year that was from the same place and we did we had the same experience that they were having with somebody else's like, is that dog our dog year. our dog's in Arvada wait what's going on here <laughs> <laughs> the dog won't be at the farm to table dinner though no, sorry guys no no dogs <laughs> no no pets no <laughs> so do you need volunteers to help you Taylor we are always looking for volunteers um, we're, we're planning on Wednesdays being our major volunteer day and but I'm out here all the time, and so I'm available anytime anybody wants to come dig in the dirt with me. So, And and how could they get in touch with you? Or uh, We can put my phone number and email in the show notes if you like. Okay. Yeah, we'll put your email in there for we'll sure. You, yeah. I don't know about putting your phone number in there. I mean, I, anybody call me. <laughs> anybody. <laughs> That's good. Kim would say anybody can text me. Oh, yeah, anybody can text me. might get a response. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, so one of the, I know one of the goals that we talked about was having uh, volunteers come on, on, is there a certain day of the week? Wednesday is what I'm shooting for. Okay. Um, but again. Starting I'm, in next, you know, in. As soon as they hear this podcast. Yeah. As soon as they hear it. Yeah. Well, we're going to put it out there <laughs> before me, this me. podcast airs. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are. We're, we're trying to make Wednesdays the, the major day as far as getting getting other people out here to help us out. And um, But like I said, you know, if you have time on another day and want to wanna make a, a Saturday morning of it or whatever, I'm, uh, I'm always available for those types of things. So anytime I can get some help and... Also, it gives a great opportunity to learn and probably, probably go home with some radishes. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Always a bonus of helping out. Radishes. <laughs> Breakfast radishes. We'll see what's up. Right? We'll see. <laughs> Is there anything, um, any 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 questions or any info that we didn't ask that you want to share? No, I mean I uh, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be able to be out here on the farm and learning and having the opportunity to be involved with uh, veterans to farmers on throughout their their courses and their training and their mentorship has been revolutionary for me and life-changing. So I, uh, if anybody wants to help out a, a, a local nonprofit, they would be a great one to write a check to, in my opinion. Awesome. So. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to, you're going to do some more ancient grains out here. In, yeah. maybe in the fall and then for next Ho- year as well get some winter wheat planted out here and then i actually had a couple i had a distiller reach out to me this morning wondering when when i was going to plant some rye for him so we'll see oh nice what we can do on that and he had some ideas on some ancient or some heritage rye that he would love to see so Very see where cool. it all takes us but yeah we got lots of lots of stuff and the rocky mountain seed alliance always has some some great opportunities for trialing a bunch of different varietals and we'll, we'll be bringing that up here as well as keep probably planting some more down south so yeah uh, we're really excited about just that. keep keep yeah. building the seed stock and then one day hopefully we'll be able to have enough to mill and sell to the oh, general yeah. public i love that nice. yes yeah. one question that i have my my final question of the day do you have any other questions nope. you want to ask before my final question 
if there is a message that you could send out to the world or that you could share with everybody, um, whether it's, you know, personal to you, if it's what you, you know, something to help, whatever. If there is, you know, a one or two sentence message, what would it be? Wow. I mean, I, I, uh, I would definitely say that, uh, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> Just put that up no, on a billboard. That's sure a big question. That's a big question. Um, I mean, as far as, you know, with major mission in life is to, you know, convince people to pay attention to their food and, you know, where it's coming from, what it is, why they're eating it, what it does for you. And so I would, I would just encourage people to, to just know more about it. I mean, it's, it's worth asking the questions and you should, you should, you should question your farmer and you should question your chefs and you should question everybody about what it is they're selling you and what it is they're serving you. And so know your food. That's what I would say. Know your food. Know your food. I like it. Yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> it, is, it is your life source, so. Yeah. It's a good so bumper true. sticker. <laughs> <laughs> I put it right next to my, my shit happens bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> right. And if, if people want to go to Low High. Um, Low High Steak Bar. Yeah, Low High Steak Bar. Um, give out the website. Yeah, we are uh, Low High Steak Bar. We're on 32nd and Tejon in the Lower Highlands neighborhood, just right outside Denver. Or right outside downtown in Denver. Um, and the website is lowhighsteakbar.com. Okay. And Do people need reservations? Reservations are recommended most evenings. Um, but the, the bar, we have a big bar and you can walk in for that. We do happy hour twice daily, 3 to 6 and then 9 to close. And then we do uh, what are some other specials. Wednesday night kids eat free, um, which is always a great time to bring the kids down and and you can buy yourself a real nice steak and don't have to worry about the kids. Nice. Uh, <laughs> share. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Low High, Low High Steak Bar and then Low High Local is our coffee shop and small market that's next door. Uh, definitely if you're in the, the neighborhood, stop by and say hi. Joe or I are pretty much always there, one or the other. So. What are the hours there? Uh, Low High Local opens at 6 a.m. and... Closes around 10 p.m. ish, depending okay. on what the restaurant's doing, and then the restaurants open till midnight most nights. We stop serving food at 11, and then midnight on Friday and Saturdays for food, and two o'clock. Wow, for bar, so always open. Wow, <laughs> pretty much. You guys serve food late. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's awesome. We do. And we uh, we think it's uh, we think it's important to have some options for the the late night people. That, yeah. They like to eat too, you know. So <laughs> they right. do. They need to eat they usually. To. <laughs> I'm gonna put in a, a, a joke, and this may be edited out, so you guys may not get to hear it. But every time <laughs> that that I hear reservations for a restaurant, it always reminds me of my brother. Uh, he said this joke to me, and it, it took me like two seconds, and then it clicked. But uh, so you know, somebody says, "Oh, I'm going to Low High Steak Bar," and then the other person says. Do you have reservations? 
And then the person says, yes, but I'm still going. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is the greatest, I think that is the greatest uh, restaurant reservations joke. Yeah. Probably the only ever. one. The only. <laughs> yeah, probably the only one related to it. So, listeners, right. you may not hear that one. We don't know yet. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Um, you can check out our show notes at edibleeconomy.com and subscribe to our podcast through um, iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast. And Podbean. Wherever you listen to your podcast. Wherever podcasts. you listen to your podcasts. And uh, you can follow us on Facebook as well, Edible Economy and Instagram. Thank thanks, you, Taylor. Thanks, Kate. <laughs> thanks, Taylor. And thanks to uh, Truth and Legend Productions. Uh, again, subscribe. subscribe. Give us a high rating. And thanks rate. for listening and tuning in. We will talk with you guys soon. Bye.